All right, so go ahead, guys. Get us started, please. Hello, everybody, <laughs> and <laughs> welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We'll be doing some editing. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us as we continue on in a series we're doing called Naturally Supernatural. We're in week number 10 of this series. And um, this, it's all about, you know, as the title suggests, living naturally supernatural lives. Our model for this is Jesus, um, and as he is our model for life and ministry. Uh, Jesus is, as we've said, humanity as God intended it to be. And we have discussed the idea that um, our naturally supernatural lives include the resources of prayer and the Word and Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. And we've also been looking at the concepts of doing what He did, which we know we're called to, that in order to do that, we need to see like He saw, think like He thought, serve like He served, and love like He loved. So we've been looking at a series of encounters that Jesus has with um, people and situations and groups and his disciples to, to try and see um, how he did it and what he was doing and hopefully that will impact the way that we live in this life. And uh, we looked at an encounter with a very religious person who prided himself in his works, Nicodemus, and Jesus had to demonstrate grace to him by pointing out that the fact that his works weren't enough. He wasn't going to make it based on that. And then we saw an encounter with a woman at the well who knew she was a sinner. She was the opposite of Nicodemus. And Jesus ministered to her by, by demonstrating to her value and worth to God and that God wanted her as a worshiper. We saw how, how Jesus um, sees people uh, that other people have, have stopped seeing. Uh, and we saw him move into the life of an invalid at the pool of Bethesda and, and, and bring healing into his life and then tell him that there was something even better than the healing, which is a relationship with God. Um, we, we looked at Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000 and how he was uh, developing in his disciples a heart of compassion and how, how, how much we all need that in our lives. We looked in John 8 uh, at the encounter with a woman caught in adultery and, and we see the importance of, of seeing the uh, beauty of people's potential and that, that uh, we need to be a people of grace and mercy. Uh, we looked at an encounter that Jesus had in John 9 with a man born blind, and we, we talked again about how the light of grace sees people, loves them, and then reaches out to them in naturally supernatural ways. Uh, then we looked at an encounter that Jesus had with his disciples uh, at the Last Supper uh, about the foot washing that took place and how Jesus made the point that, that life is found in serving. Um, last week we continued on in the Last Supper, and we, we talked about uh, uh, the remembrance that we have in communion and how the marriage analogy was used in the process and what that means now in, in the, uh, uh, when he's coming back. And now um, we're going to move on into John 15 today. And Jesus is spending this time um, with his disciples because he's, he's down to the last day or two of his earthly ministry. Uh, the cross is coming quickly, and he knows it. And so he's, he's kind of going back and highlighting three years' worth of teaching with his disciples uh, about a naturally supernatural life, about the life that he's modeled for them. 
And, uh, and so we're going to pick up uh, the, the discussion today in John 15. Our scripture reading for today is John 15, 10 through 13, and this is out of the message paraphrase. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done, kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I've loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So in John 15, we're going to look at some pretty uh, uh, sort of famous verses, if you would. The I am the vine and you are the branches. Verses that most of you probably heard at some point. Um, and, and there's four concepts in this verse 13, 14, 15 verses of John 15 that I want to talk about today. And those four concepts are about being fruitful, about remaining or abiding, about prayer, and about love. So let's dig in and talk about those. The very first thing I want to talk about today is fruit. Fruit. John 15, 1 and 2. I am the true vine, Jesus said, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The father is the, the gardener of the vineyard, see, and he wants fruit. And, and what kind of fruit is he looking for? Well, well, we'll look at another scripture here in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and this is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, these should be the developing character traits in our lives as his disciples. This is the fruit produced in living a spirit-filled, naturally supernatural life. And this fruit is developed as we continually yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And um, one of the ways that we do that, probably the best way we do that, is living by doing the next right thing. You guys have heard that. I, I try and work it into every message. Um, because it's, it's, just, it's where we grow. It's, it's how we change. It's how we really allow the Spirit to work in our lives. Because he's, he's constantly there helping us and guiding us. And, and He's with us as we make choices. And we have all these choices to make. And, and that our choices need to be good and godly. And yet sometimes we mess up. And we choose not good and not godly. And we need to know at that point that we can go back to God and ask for forgiveness. He gives it to us and he sets us back and tells us to do the next right thing. We're never to take that for granted. We're not to continue on in, in, uh, in just doing things that we shouldn't do in, in that process. But, but we have to know that, that our, our heart's desire, when we've been consumed by the love of God, that, that our heart's desire is that we really want to do the next right thing. And that's my hope. We talk about it all the time. My hope for you is that you, you wake up and you think, you know, I just want to do better today. I, 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 it's my heart to do better today. And God's looking at the heart. And, you know, we, we all have days. Some days we do way better than other days. Some days just... You know, some days you get off to a bad start and it seems to get worse. You know what I mean? And uh, it's like the old thing. Sometimes I wake up grumpy and 
Sometimes I let her sleep. No, no. Uh, she's not here, so I can say that. <laughs> I will not use that tomorrow. Of course, now she watches this on TV, too. So, um, I was, of course, talking about my dog who wakes up not very well. Um, you know, sometimes we get selfish, we get mean, or we just not, you know, and, and uh, sometimes it gets far worse than that, obviously. We, we get way off track. We start getting, you know, out of sorts, and we get some pain and something in our lives, and then we, we try and relieve it ourselves instead of trusting in God. These, uh, and yet, you know, hopefully in yielding to the Spirit, you know, because one of the things that He does in us is He, he convicts us. He, he reminds us that, that's, no, that's not a good choice. It's not a good choice. And then when we say, oh, you're right, it's not a good choice, and we, God, I'm sorry, and, and I, I, I confess my, my sin to you. In effect, we're saying, you know, I, I agree with you that you're right and I'm wrong. And, and will you give me a, a new start? And he does. And that this is uh, part of the process in, in our lives being developed, in the fruit of the Spirit being developed, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, control, all those things being developed along the way um, are foundationally sort of wrapped up into that decision-making process, that I want to do it his way and not mine. Uh, fruitful lives are the, the result of the life of Jesus being reproduced in us. And, um, and, and our part in that is the second thing in your notes, is to remain um, or abide. You might know the verse that way. Same, same word, remain or abide. John 15, 4 and 5, Jesus says, Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what does it mean, the, that word remain or abide in Christ? Um, fortunately, John uses that word a couple other times in his gospel, and uh, the exact same word, and so we can get a pretty good idea of the context of what that of what that means and and so to remain in him first thing first thing we have to do the letter a under that is we have to accept Jesus as our lord and savior we have to make that connection um, we have to begin to understand the basics of what he's done for us uh, by going to the cross and giving his life for ours we have to accept the the idea that we're sinners and that in our own strength we can't um, make it to god that god is perfect and holy and we're not and, and while he loves us, our sin created a great chasm that we could not cross. But he came, uh, uh, Jesus, fully God, fully man. And, and in defeating uh, death at the cross and in offering his perfect sinless life for us, we have access back to God now through Christ. Um, and uh, there's this verse where he uses that word remain. It's a pretty heavy verse. Uh, it even caused Jesus some, some friction when he said it. John 6, 56 says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. So, so that's not the easiest verse to share with people. However, I can comfortably share it with you because it absolutely relates to what we talked about last week. Um, 
it, it's absolutely another picture of the uh, remembrance in communion. It's a picture of the proposal of Christ, the bridegroom, to his bride uh, in, the, in the shedding of his blood, the, the pouring of wine. And it's a, it's a picture of the fulfilled feasts that we also discussed about, that discussed last week, that, that, that unleavened bread is the second of four feasts, and Jesus fulfills it with his life, with his body broken for us. He's the bread of life. And so that verse in that context makes a lot more sense. And it's about uh, accepting in the process of, of communion and, and asking Jesus into our hearts and, and all that that represents um, in, in remaining in him. It's part of the process. You can't, you can't remain in him, obviously, until you've come to the point where you begin the process and accept what he's done for us on the cross. And then the second time he uses a verse, and this is the B, uh, in, to, in order to remain in him, we need to do what he did. We need to do what he did. John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Where, where he says hold there, it's the same word, remain, abide. If you abide in my teaching, if you will remain in my teaching, then you really are my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So how do we do what he did? Now my hope is that answer is ringing in your ears because I've said it every week for 10 weeks. In order to do what he did, we need to see like he saw, think like he thought, serve like he served, love like he loved. See all of this ties in and is all part of this remaining that he calls us to, this abiding that he calls us to. And that it's in, in the process then of, of, of uh, uh, abiding in him that, that we become fruitful, that, that our, our lives, the fruit in the, of the Spirit is developed in our lives, which is what the Father's looking for. He's the gardener looking for fruit, and, and we're to be a fruitful people, uh, developing those character traits that we talked about, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. That, that, that's what needs to happen. And, you know, that's a really good filter to see how we're doing. Because, um, you, 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 you know, it's always good to check yourself against that uh, sort of process. And, and, you know, how much peace is in your life? Or are you anxious all the time? How much joy is in your life? Or are you, uh, you know, how patient are you? That's the tough one. Sometimes I wish he'd skip that one. Because it would be easier. Um, are you a gentle person? Or not? How do you treat people? Are you kind? I mean, do you, do you care about what other people are going through? Compassion. Um, these are the things that need to be developed enough. And, and as his followers, that, that's, what should, that's what we should look like. I would say that sometimes we don't model it all that well. Especially when we, you know, we start uh, uh, getting all judgmental and critical in the world and we certainly the church has certainly done that and and you know I, I know I talk about this all the time but it, it's what's caused us to lose our voice in the culture it's why the culture thinks we're irrelevant so we we stopped living the life modeled for us by Jesus and we took up another model which wasn't even close it way more resembled the Pharisees than Jesus and we, we already know how that works out we've already we got we can see how that worked out um, and so to get our voice back into the culture, which is what, what we need to have, we have to make changes and, and start being the naturally supernatural people he's called us to. Loving people well, 
and, and allowing the Spirit of God to dwell in us and not getting so preoccupied with everybody else's mess that we, we miss the mess in our own lives, not looking at the speck in other people and not dealing with the, the log in our own eyes. I love that picture of, uh, you know, because that's what we do. Third thing he talks about in these verses is prayer. We'll talk about prayer some more in the weeks to come. But Jesus says this in John 15, 7 and 8. If you remain in me, there's that word again, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I've been saying throughout this series, we have the same resources available to us that Jesus had in living the naturally supernatural life, the resources of the Holy Spirit, of the Word, and prayer. And prayer is really the foundation, a foundation, of the life of the disciple. If we aren't actively cultivating a prayer life with God, um, we'll get sidetracked very quickly. Uh, prayer helps us to stay connected. Prayer helps us to stay humble. Prayer helps us to see the bigger picture. Um, prayer helps us in, in realizing the, the work that needs to be done by the Spirit in our lives. And, and in effect... Um, in the life of a believer, everything that's uh, of God starts with prayer and, it, and then continues on in prayer. Now, effective prayer is based on faith in Christ and on His words um, remaining in us as believers. And as we learn to do what He did by living naturally supernatural lives, by, by reading and studying His Word, um, yielding to the Holy Spirit by doing the next right thing, our minds are renewed and, and our prayers then begin to conform to the will of the Father. Once that begins to happen, the results are certain. It'll be given to you. See, that verse doesn't say that you can just treat God like a big slot machine in the sky, and if you get the formula right and pull the handle, he's going to do everything he said he was, that you asked him for. You, you'll be asking what you wish in accordance with His will, and as you get tapped into His will for what's supposed to be happening, those prayers are done and done. Um, and, and, and see, that all comes about in living this life. And yet, we want to take shortcuts a lot of times. We want to kind of do part of it and then, and then you know, uh, ask for all kinds of stuff that really is not, has nothing to do with the will of God in our lives, and then get mad at God for not delivering. When, when in effect, prayer, um, it, when it's conformed to the will of God, he's, he's right on top of. It's, it's a lot of this other stuff. Now, fortunately, see, you know, God, uh, I, I, God answers every prayer, I believe, that we, we toss out there. He answers lots of them, yes. Um, and, and some of them are answered no. Because, we, you know, and, and some are answered maybe or not maybe, but like in a while. You know, like, yes, but later. And, and we don't always get that because what we want is we want everything now. That's, and when we're like that, it means we're really not tapped into the will of God the way we need to be. When we have no patience for God to come through with stuff, we're, we're probably not where we need to be. Um, see, in, in walking this thing out over time, we develop a trust that has to know that no matter what the circumstance, God is still God. And that he's done the very best for us in Christ. That we've got the best deal in the universe. 
Um, but that best deal doesn't always include everything always working out the way we want. And I've said we struggle with that. We want white picket fence lives. You know, we think that that's what ought to happen, that somehow we deserve that. And, and uh, um, we get frustrated when it doesn't happen. It's not one of the promises right now. Um, there's some neat promises. And, and some of them break into the right now, some really good ones. But, but you know, the best stuff is yet to come. So I mean he doesn't care? Well, he absolutely cares about us. He, he's, got, he's got his eyes on you and his, he's for his kids and he's always working stuff out. I'm amazed how God works stuff out. I'm amazed how many times people come to me with situations that if I were to try and take them on would absolutely overwhelm me because I don't see any way through them. And yet, sure enough, people are still here. <laughs> and things have worked out. And it happens time after time after time after time after time. And I thought, there's no way this can work out. And it works out. I don't even know how it works out. It's not because it's got nothing to do with me most of the time. You know, I've told you that a lot of the time people just need to, to tell somebody. And, and, you know, we can do what we can do. But a, a lot of this stuff is way too big for us. And it's good because only God can work it out. It usually never happens the way we expect. But he's still doing stuff. But lots of times in my walk with him that I've thought, well, there's no way out of this. And I'm still here, still breathing. You know, still, still experiencing all kinds of good stuff. Is everything absolutely the way I want it? Well, no, of course not. But it's, it's good. So you get it? I mean, it's, it's, it's this process, this, this lifelong process of getting the focus off of us and onto him. And changing in that. And then realizing, once we realize that life's more about us, that's when life engages. We've talked in this series about paradox and, and, and how life is found when you, when you give it up finally. It's really a, an amazing thing, but it's a kingdom thing. And that's what he's moving in us. And then, once again, we're reminded that it's always about love. Fourth point. And um, it, was, you know, it has to be. You know, it was one of the fruit we talked about, but it's bigger than that. And, it, and throughout the scripture, we, we keep coming back to the concepts of love. <clears throat> and as his followers, we really are motivated by the wonder of Jesus' love, what he did for us at the cross, and how amazing that, that whole concept is. You know, sometimes we, we, we'll talk about this more, because one of the encounters we're going to talk about is Jesus' encounter with the cross. But, um, you know, the... That idea that, that God loves us and yet our sin had separated us from him um, makes you, when you stop to ponder it, realize the enormity of the cross. Without the cross, we do not have a shot. And, and it, it can never be something that we forget or don't think about. It's central to everything. That he, he went to the cross, that, that God came, Jesus came, lived the life that he lived, and willingly went to the cross and gave his life up for us. Um, that love is, is amazing. You know, the love that we sing about, uh, it's an amazing love that he's loved us with. And, and that love is patterned after the love of the Father in its, in its quality and extent. And so it needs to impact us. John 15, 9 through 13. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so, I, uh, so have I, I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love is no one this, that he laid down his life for his friends. See, as we get a hold of the concept that, that that's what Jesus did for us, and he showed us time after time, and he was teaching his disciples this laying down of life and this, this movement away from selfishness to selflessness, and, that, and that's where joy is found, that our joy is, is made complete in that process. We, we realize that we're not the center of the universe and we begin to live differently, part of which is accomplished by this process of living by trying to do the next right thing, because the next right thing is not always the thing that we want to do. But oftentimes the things that we want to do is not the right thing to do. And when we choose not to do it, it's good because we find joy. And we never find joy when we do the other thing. But we're so slow. I, don't hope, I hope you don't mind me talking for the group. <laughs> we're not. We're just not that quick on the uptake. We keep doing the same stuff we shouldn't do thinking there's going to be a different outcome. And there's not. There's no joy in it. The joy is in this. Doing the next right. That's where the joy is. You think, well, I want to go and do this. What, what, but this is where joy is. You're not going to find it there. What, what you find there will be so fleeting that, and you know it too. But it's the struggle. But when we get a hold of it and, and then yield to the Spirit, trusting in God to, to help us as we make more and more decisions for him. We experience this joy in, our Lord, in the Lord and, and we become extravagant lovers like Jesus. And that's when life begins to make sense. It's when it all sort of falls into place. And that's when we have the impact on the world that we're hoping to have. So, so all of this is, is a huge part of the naturally supernatural life. Those, those four concepts, and I want you to think about them um, through, throughout the week. The fruitfulness, the fruit of the Spirit, the idea of remaining or abiding by, by knowing Him as your Lord and Savior and, and then, you know, uh, doing what He did and saying, yeah, okay, that's what I want to do. That's the life I want to live. Um, understanding that, that in that it has to be uh, done with prayer. That, that you know, our, our days are started with prayer by saying, God, I want to live this life you've called me to. Jesus, so that's a very simple prayer, but it's a good, Jesus, I just, I just want to do what you did today. Let me just do that. That's prayer. Show me where I need to do it. We move into that process. And then, and then loving well by following through. These are the key elements of a naturally supernatural life. We'll end it there today. If you're watching by video or on television, thank you for being a part of us. And uh, we're very glad that you spent this time with us. If you need anything, you can call or write us or let us know or email us. We'll do whatever we can to, uh, to help you or get back to you. We're going to close here tonight with prayer. So let's pray.